everyone, I just asked Emily if she wanted to open the show for a change. Um, What's our open? Yeah, it's not. I, to be fair, I can't remember our opening. It's just like, welcome to the podcast. And okay, do you want me to try? Yes. Welcome to He's Dead Jim. We're a podcast about Star Trek. We've finished the first season. We've completed it. We've clocked it. And uh, before we kick on with the second season, we're going to have a little fun chat about a couple of animated series episodes. I'm Emily Lind, and all the way from New York, please welcome Mick McConnell. Hi, Emily. How long are we we doing this for? I don't know. We're in the the reverse universe from one of the episodes we watched. Um, how are you, Val? It's been many weeks. Yeah, it's been a long time, but I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm doing great. It's uh, Saturday morning. It's election day, which means I get to go and have the Australian tradition of an election sausage. We have barbecues at our polling booths. Do you guys have barbecues? No, we don't have jack shit. We get a sticker that says I voted. Yeah. And what else have we been up to? You've been at Star Wars Celebration. That's all been and done. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, it was so much fun. Um, it was slightly overwhelming. Not going to lie. I got a little bit like I need to get away from all these people a couple of times. But mostly it was tons of fun. I'd get that. Is it like just the crowds in general? Well, the crowds in general and like the... The pl- I was staying at a pl- like Airbnb with granted with people I love all of them dearly, but when you're staying with like 14 people for five days, <laughs> you sort of just want to be done with it at some point. <laughs> yeah, yep, fair enough. <laughs> um, so I think we talked about it last episode. Emily, uh, her primary career in life <laughs> is writing erotic fan oh, fiction. Oh man, I wish I got paid for it. Well, I mean, the guy still bought me a beer. That counts. But I bought a, t- I oh, bought a ticket yeah. for the show, so I think I still just sort of break even. Um, yeah, it's sort of become, I guess, I guess two years can count as a tradition. It's now a tradition for me to write yeah. erotic fan fiction for a Steel's live podcast from Celebration. Um, purposely bad, purposely bad erotic fan fiction. And this was uh, Tarkin and Krennic. And it was... It was fun. I my original plan had been to leave while they read it, like just slip out the back door. But before the show, Steel, because Steel knew this, and he cornered me, and he's like, "You're on stage when they're reading the fan fiction." Which, okay, yeah, he's a professional comedian. He knows what he's doing. It was much better as a show for me to be there, <laughs> and I really did in the end enjoy myself. But there was a couple of minutes at the beginning where all my thoughts were just like, I'm going to murder Steel Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So much fun. Uh, yeah, so definitely check out Steel Wars on YouTube if you're into Star Wars and or comedy piss take fan fiction. So good. Uh, what, what else? What was the highlight of the convention? Honestly, I think that might have been. That whole night was so much fun. Um, Steel just had booked like the top floor of this bar and you know everybody was just like hanging out with all my friends having drinks and then seeing a live podcast and being in a live podcast and it was just an amazing time it was also really cool um the episode nine um panel i was not in the main arena for but they had overflow rooms where it was just like here's a couple hundred people watching it all together on on screen and that was fun and it was just sort of cool to feel the energy when they showed the trailer and finally revealed the title for those who aren't star wars fans it wasn't until celebration that we knew what the new movie is going to be called and so it was very cool at the end of the trailer to see rise of skywalker come up and everybody lose their fucking mind so exciting i won't talk too much star wars but which which skywalker do you think they're talking about I am unsure. I am 100% positive that Luke is in this movie as a force ghost. I am extremely hopeful that Rey is not a Skywalker by blood. But I think she might take the Skywalker name. Oh, well, so an adopted Skywalker. Yeah. 
on the rise. With her, so with her like adopted Force Ghost dad. Yay! Very cool. Any other exciting news? I don't think so. Have you been up to anything cool? Um, I'm trying to think. No, I've been very quiet lately. I've been sort of busy with work, and I oh, actually I did have news. So the the Picard um, series. Did you see the news that? Uh, CBS have sold that to Amazon Prime. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, the Prime Video. So I don't know the, the detail. I, it, it seemed like it was maybe like the international deal yeah, they did for yeah. Discovery. Yeah, it must be because I know it's on CBS All Access here. Yeah, which is weird. We've talked about how CBS bought uh, a network in Australia, Network 10, and they've launched 10 All Access and that's where the new Twilight series, uh, Twilight Zone series is showing. For a second there, I thought uh, there was a Twilight series, and my mind just yeah, like, no. exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> Glowing vampires. It's all wrong. Oh, by the way, we have a title for the Picard series, and it's called Star Trek Picard, and I'm... I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? I missed that. Yeah. I was, so, I was just... I was just concerned about how how I was going to watch it. I was being selfish. So Star Trek Picard. Yeah, this is this is maybe even worse than Solo a Star Wars story. Yeah, it's not good, is it? No, nah, it sucks. Oh man. Do we know much about the detail like is is there I I'm I'm guessing it's not in the next generation enterprise like you're not going to have all the characters back every week. No, I'd be surprised if we didn't get some guest stars. Yeah. But also there's some, like, I don't know if you can have Brent Spiner on because then you have to be like, hey, why does this android look 30 years older? Yeah, maybe you have to have a digital, (laughs) like a Tarkin hologram from um, Rogue, Rogue One. Yeah, I don't think we really know anything about it yet, but I feel like it might be a one of those, like, you know, retired guy gets pulled back into action things nice so space cowboys i mean he is what like how old is patrick stewart like 70 something yeah easily patrick stewart age 78 whoa so he's nearly 80 god damn i guess smoking pot keeps you young (laughs) (laughs) um so this week we thought yeah, before we kick on with season two, let's check out a couple of season uh, animated series episodes. Uh, so I've been I've had a fun Saturday. I had a nice sleep in, which is rare, and I've been watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yay! So much fun. I think we ended up with a couple of pretty good apps. Yeah, I mean they're definitely um, like. Oh, this is why this show is only like two and a half seasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, one and a half season. That second season is six episodes. Oh, okay. That explains. So we watched the final, the finale. Then, yeah, is that right? Yeah, I wow. think that is. I think that's the finale because I think after that episode, they're like, "You're not making any more of these." Two seasons. So we we watched uh, an episode from each season, so we get a good taste. I think so. Originally, we watched uh, like early on when we started doing this pod. We checked out um the spock episode where he goes back to help himself as a kid and i think that's the second episode from season one where he goes back through the time portal um but this time around we watched the eye of the beholder from season one and the counterclock incident from season two uh so i guess we kick off with eye of beholder eye of the beholder and that's the dragon episode we've been very excited about there are dragons. There are there's not dragons. quite as much. There's not as much dragons as I thought there was going to be. They are exciting though. Um, so this is our alien zoo episode, which I guess has similar elements from the cage pilot with Christopher Pike, and also like probably about five percent of Twilight Zone episodes. I reckon five yeah. percent is the number of Twilight episodes where the twist is it's a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon that's only 5% or reckon you're going a bit low there? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you got to I was going to say like 95%. <laughs> 25% is it's a robot. <laughs> Probably another 25% is it was it's it's the devil. 
And then you get another 25% of it's the future or the past. And the reminder is it's something on the wing. (laughs) (laughs) Have you watched any of the new Twilight Zone? I've watched a couple of them. I watched the first one because they put that up for free on YouTube, the one with um, Come On On Johnny. And I watched one other one. I sort of liked it. And then I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I have old like old Twilight Zone I can watch without paying for CBS All Access. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, did the, how were the episodes? The one I watched, the one with Kamal, was good. And he was actually really good in it. I like him in general. But it was, it was too long. Which is weird because it's a streaming oh, okay. show and they don't have like a set like time of their episodes because I was looking through them and they all have different, you know, run times. And so that was like a deliberate choice that it was this long and it is, it's like one or two scenes where we get what they're doing and they could have cut them. And it's frustrating because otherwise it's really good. Like the, the, the plot is cool. It's, it's, he's this, he's playing a stand up comic and, when he jokes about stuff on stage, it erases what he's talking about from the world, which is a really cool premise. (laughs) And they do some cool stuff with it. But again, it's just like, if you just cut like maybe even just like 10 minutes, it'd be so good. Instead, it's just like, okay, this is mostly good. Well, uh, America, I can tell you of Australian stand-up comics, if that happened with them, Trump would be erased pretty quickly. <laughs> well, no, but that, but that's sort of the thing is it becomes like this sort of like, that's sort of the idea of it is him erasing things that he thinks are bad for the world or bad for him personally. Ah, I see. Uh, just erase men. I think it'd be a good start. <laughs> Like 90% of the world's problems. But I was sort of watching it going, you know what? I kind of would rather just be watching Black Mirror. So are you a Black Mirror fan? I am. I'm not going to say every episode is gold. There have been some stinkers, but there have also been some stellar episodes. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Charlie Brooker in general. Um, I've liked pretty much everything he's done. But Black Mirror has some amazing hours of television and some mediocre ones. But that's always going to happen when you're doing an anthology show. Yeah. Did you play Bandersnatch, the interactive one about Atari? I did. Yeah, I played it for about like two and a half hours and then have not gone back to it and never will. Did you finish it? Yeah, I got a couple of endings and it was fun. And I thought it was interesting. My sort of feeling is... This is the only way I ever want to do interactive TV is when it's about the fact that it is interactive TV. Ah, uh, okay. Like, I wouldn't want an episode of Star Trek where you choose the ending because I think storytellers, even if I don't like the story, should have a story that they are telling and an ending for that story. But since this is Black Mirror and it was about storytelling... And it was about the choices that you make. I think it's. I think it works. I wouldn't want to watch just like a regular schmegular TV show like that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I well, kids and I have been playing um, You versus Wild, the Bear Grylls interactive one on on Netflix, and that's kind of like it's fun. But the like the stories are kind of like Dora, Dora the Explorer <laughs> stories. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you know, if you want to um, rescue the doctor, yell at the screen, basically. <laughs> and so I'm waiting for Swiper to show up and just steal all of his Swiper, stuff. Swiper, no his... swiping. Yeah. But he's like, he's in a helicopter. I've got room in my backpack for one more thing. Should I pack the grappling hook or should I pack the flare gun? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> that's that's fun. That's good family stuff. <laughs> Slightly less dark than Bandersnatch. Um, so yeah, so Alien Zoo. So I have the beholder, it, um, it's this very cheap, like the cheapest possible Saturday morning cartoon animation. 
And I yeah. think in this episode in particular, you notice a lot of the shots are just while someone's talking, it's a close-up of like Kirk's face and all it moves is his mouth and occasionally <laughs> like his eyes blink yeah. at the end of the sentence. It's a lot of static shots. Yeah. And and they were getting – I know so like it just cut from him to um, – yeah, you know, the him and McCoy and the yeah, the only person that's slightly animated is the mouth of the person that's speaking. And then it just get getting closer and closer. Like there were weird like really weirdly framed shots of like, you know, almost right close on the mouth. <laughs> There's a couple of just I don't know, they're oddly sort of framed. Um, I think there was a lot more detail in the second episode we watched. Um, uh, but yeah, it just seemed to be it was definitely done to a price. Um, so they land on a planet. They're searching for a you know, lost crew that was stranded there that nobody's heard from in a while. Um, and we see lots of alien creatures, which is super fun. So all these monsters just pop up and go, rah, and they have to stun them. Oh, before it's like right at the beginning, when they're because they're trying to find what happened to some other like is it like a scientific like crew or something it's one of those but kirk has this line of a captain must always go by the book no matter what (laughs) with no irony whatsoever (laughs) yeah i I like kirk in in this animated series he's so he's well he's a lot more positive i guess he's you know saturday morning kid audience friendly yeah and he's not like hooking up with women every episode yeah, well, there's that, yeah. And also just, you know, he's dialed back on the arsehole captain thing. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, which was your favourite creature out of all the random creatures that pop up? I mean, the dragons are pretty great, but I like the main pink, like, slug dudes that are our main guys. Oh, it's insane. Oh, and there's, uh, like, a dinosaur that they stun. <clears throat> Oh yeah, there's like there's like a sea creature as well. Oh man, which is sort of like a Lord of the Rings style sea monster and Yeah. Uh, also like cool creatures. The dragons don't have legs. They're like rubber duckies. Yeah, they they yeah, in flight constantly because they have no legs to land on. And they they're sort of I don't know the sound they made, they're sort of like like I don't know, I imagine pterodactyls <laughs> or something. <laughs> they had a pretty sort of high pitched sound for a dragon, no big roar. But they were pretty cool. Uh so I got a few dragons doing aerial assaults. Um the dinosaur that they shoot that they have to shoot, apparently it draws power from their phases and gets stronger. And for some reason Kirk knows to aim for the aim for the throat or something so they all they all shoot it in the throat and then it dies and it's like where's mccoy we're all okay but where's mccoy and mccoy's like oh and he's stuck under this giant dinosaur's tail oh can i tell you where i had the completely wrong end of the stick on this episode yes please which is okay so they're there to like figure out what happened to this scientific expedition or whatever and there's one point where they're firing on one of these creatures that like comes out of a bush or something it's one of the dinosaur guys and it's like making this sound and i was convinced oh oh the scientific crew that they're searching for got turned into these creatures oh wow (laughs) (laughs) that's a big jump <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I thought that, but I was one hundred percent sure that was going to be the twist. Oh wow, man, that's a huge jump. Good twist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there you go. So, so the spoiler—that's the... not what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you have to write that up as fan fiction. Erotic fan fiction. <laughs> Uh, so the main creatures in this, yeah, they're the giant pink slugs uh, and they have sort of like long trunks like an elephant kind of. They're sort and, of that uh, like gross, adorable sort of thing going for them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they just cruise up all of a sudden by surprise and pick up Spock and McCoy and Kirk and in with their trunks and then just carry them off. <laughs> so they're all sort of half airborne just cruising along on these slugs going where are we being taken and they're taken to a big city and put in an alien zoo 
Um, so we get the, the super powerful, super intelligent alien creatures that um, think humans are just lower life forms like pets and can't communicate with them. Spock has the intelligence to sort of listen and the aptitude and he you know, realises that the slugs communicate via thought. So they they get Kirk to pretend that he's hurt, that he's been sick. He falls to the ground and then Spock gets uh, him and McCoy to... Is it just them? Is there anyone else in the crew? It seemed like there's a bigger crew. I It seems to be mostly them and then a couple of the people from the other crew. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so they 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 meet up with the lost scientific expedition. They're all imprisoned in this zoo. They're sort of well looked after, but they're, they're trapped behind a force field. Spock gets them to use their thoughts to think about Kirk and think about their communicator. And the creatures pick up on this, and there's like a a child, one of these slugs, that kindly hands the communicator to them. And Kirk tries to. Uh, contacts the Enterprise is like, quick, Scotty, beam us up. And then uh, the creatures grab the communicator back and uh, the, the child slug gets beamed on board the Enterprise, which hey, is pretty I funny, this giant slug thing. Yeah. Did Jimmy Doohan, who I, I love dearly and I love Scotty, did he forget what Scotty sounds like? Because I think so. animated Scotty, when I first heard it, I'm like, Okay, that's somebody doing a really bad impression of Jimmy Doohan's bad uh, accent, right? But then I looked it up, <laughs> and it's Jimmy Doohan. It does not sound like Scotty. Yeah. Well, that was um, one of the great things about Leonard Nimoy is, like, originally they weren't going to get back all of the original cast to... Oops, I've activated Siri. Sorry. Originally, they <laughs> weren't going to pay for, you know, all of the original <clears throat> cast to voice their characters and Leonard Nimoy refused to return as Spock unless they got everyone back. So um, I don't know if Jimmy Dorn was one of them, but definitely um, uh, Sulu, um, George Takai was one that uh, it is, wasn't coming It back. is Doohan because I looked it up. Oh, it just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it just does not sound like him. Yeah. Like, or uh, rather it doesn't sound like Sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, the, the point is thanks to um, – to Leonard Nimoy, like all the original cast are back. That's really cool. That makes me, that's that's a great thing to do. Yeah. And it, it would have been a terrible show otherwise uh, because <laughs> the the, um, the extras in this show, or definitely in the um, second one, the counter clock. Oh, we'll get to that in the second episode. Oh, my God. Oh, the voice is terrible. So we're, we're very lucky to have our original cast. Um, Spock sounds like Spock is spot on kirk sounds like kirk but only a bit more positive and maybe a bit more yeah saturday morning cartoon fun uh but yeah ahura is ahura jimmy doing does yeah, i don't know he hams it up a bit or something <laughs> it's good fun though it's just yeah like i can't even it's just not scotty it's just a different <laughs> bad accent than the normal bad accent <laughs> so this um baby slug creature picks up scotty with his trunk and starts cruising out of the transporter room cruises onto the bridge and everyone's like what the hell is this thing you brought onto the bridge and he's like i don't know it seems friendly but <laughs> and eventually he sort of puts him down he's like can you talk can we talk about this and he's like what are you gonna do and then all of a sudden he just goes oh no you're gonna <laughs> This wild accent. You're going to fling the Enterprise into outer, in, you know, into, across space or something like that. I think the so this child takes over the Enterprise controls. Yeah, they are they basically god aliens again. Yeah, I mean they're giant pink slugs, but in terms of their telepathy and mental powers, they're they're god aliens. So meanwhile, <laughs> on the um, on the planet in the zoo, um, the aliens are upset about where their baby's gone and they think that Kirk has made the baby disappear and suddenly they realise that humans were dangerous. They didn't think they were dangerous. Uh, and they're trying to read Kirk's thoughts with their mind and Spock instantly knows <laughs> everything about these creatures and uh, basically says, uh, you must resist. 
if if the captain stops resisting for just a second, uh, they think too fast and in too complex a way that he'll go mad. <laughs> so we get the captain wincing in pain, uh, and then they give up because they can't beat the captain. But they go to get more of their giant pink slug brethren to all interrogate Kirk with their thoughts. Um, and Spock knows Kirk can't withstand this. So he goes, quick, everyone, concentrate on Captain Kirk and th- and form a thought screen. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Like you do. Have you, ha- uh, have you ever had to form a, th- a thought screen in an emergency? Oh, like every day. Is that how you survived living in the share house Airbnb at Celebration? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Put up your own thought screen. <laughs> Must recharge my introvert powers. <laughs> Kirk winces in pain. Um, the rest of the crew managed to save him with their thought screen. And then Scotty beams back uh, with the baby slug uh, and they all work it out. And very similar to the alien zoo, the um, creatures realise that humans do not like to be held captive. And uh, even though the humans are very primitive, um, they will... You know, they recognise that they're on the path towards evolving and they're welcome back in a couple of hundred centuries or something like that. But Spock's still trying to calculate these creatures, how long their centuries go for and what a couple of hundred means. So there you go. Uh, So any sort of general thoughts on the eye of the beholder? I do. One thing I do appreciate about the animated series is they really took advantage of we're just going to make weird aliens because we don't have to have everything be humanoid now. Yes. So, yeah, there are dragons. They're big pink slug creatures. There's, like, a creature from the Black Lagoon shit going on. There's dinosaurs. This episode shows that off nicely. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. It's like some wild Doctor Who creatures. But, yeah, with no limits for animation. And you also get non-humanoid aliens serving on the Starfleet crew as well, which um, we see a bit more of in the um, in our second episode. But I think in summary, my notes from this are cheap animation, so many creatures, dinosaur falls on McCoy, dragons, <laughs> and super intelligent thought creatures, giant pink slugs. And Scotty's wild accent. Oh, no! (laughs) So good. Uh, So, yeah, anything else you want to add about that one before we chat about uh, the counterclock incident? I don't think so, except that it's definitely an enjoyable, like, 20-odd minutes. And so if you are going to watch one of these two episodes, watch that one because the next one fucking sucks. Oh, I like the next one. (laughs) I'm going to disagree, actually. It was so bad. I mean, they're both bad. <laughs> no, they're both terrible. But they're both so much fun too. Like, I was I'm, watching the. Yeah. I was I'm watching into the animated second, series now. Oh my god, I was watching the second one, going, "God damn right, the show got canceled." Because I can't. <laughs> as, as a kid, though, in the seventies, would it be okay or not? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think I would have liked the dragons better. Yeah. Better than like Uh, old dude and a flower. (laughs) I mean, so these, yeah, they're only half hour episodes. So if you've got a couple of half hours spare through the week, I reckon watch both of these apps. But uh, they're definitely good contrast. But I guess uh, other thoughts about this, the music is... Definitely more, it reminds me of Battle of the Planets, those other, I assume it was a filmation cartoon as well, but He-Man later in the 80s, it's got just a bit more trumpet and a bit more, I know, it's just a bit more camp. (laughs) It's pretty fun. Um, Yeah, I I enjoyed them. Um, So the the second episode we watched is The Counterclock Incident, that's uh, episode six from season two, which, uh, if you're correct, Emily, that would be the final episode of season two. I'll just, yeah, I'll have a look at the 
season lengths quickly. So it aired on NBC, the same network as the original series. And produced by Filmation Legends of Saturday Morning Cartoons. Executive producers of Gene Roddenberry and DC Fontana. And am I correct that all of these scripts were already written for the like the original series? Oh, I have no idea, actually. Well, def- definitely, it's, I've, I've heard that at least some of them were, like they were ready to go had the original series been renewed for a fourth season. So you're getting reasonable quality, even though it's a Saturday kids show. The second episode was written by... Um, well, written as John Culver, but his real name is Fred Bronson, and he wrote a couple of next-gen episodes. Oh, he wrote Menage a Troy, which is a great one with Loxana, and he also wrote The Game, which is one of my favorite episodes of Next Generation, while being probably one of the stupidest episodes of Next Generation. But I'm obsessed with it. Is that the game where it's like it's a virtual reality thing, yes. but it's a sex you, thing? Yes. That absolutely is that one. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets addicted to it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, season one uh, aired in 1973 to 74, and it had 16 episodes. Uh, sorry, The Eye of the Beholder was episode 15. I do apologize, the penultimate episode. And season two aired in 1974, and it was only six episodes. So this is the final of the whole animated series. Uh, so this is our Benjamin Button episode about the crew getting younger. Um, so something I've noticed about the animated series is the numbers are extreme, like the star dates are extreme. It's 6,000 and something. Um, they encounter another ship at the start of this one that's travelling at warp 36. <laughs> <laughs> so, we know, I think warp 8 is pushing it for this, like the original Enterprise in... Was the idea just kids like big numbers? I guess so, yeah. Why not? Get, why stop there? Why not go warp 1 million? So, basically, do you, do you want to do the recap on this one? I think my recap's pretty boring. <laughs> okay, so, okay, well, well there's a problem because I was watching this at work. So, <laughs> <laughs> they, there's, there is um, a Commodore who was, I guess, maybe like, was he the original captain of the Enterprise? It sounded like it. He, he talked about being there at, in the Navy dock in San Francisco when okay. the um, parts were being assembled for the Enterprise. So he's definitely been around Starfleet for a while. And it did, yeah, yeah. It did sound like this was his bridge at some point. And he is going into forced retirement because he's 75. And his wife, who was also a crew member on the Enterprise, I guess maybe like chief engineer or something like that, because there's something about how like this was when warp drives were first being put on starships okay and there was something about her implementing the first things in sick bay or something like that as well yeah something like that and so yeah she has some flower that's dying and they gotta get to this planet and then i don't i like the first part of seven i'm like okay i started playing down on but then suddenly there's this other ship that is speeding towards a star that's going supernova right yeah, and we've had this in the original series where uh, we've got a ship with a suicidal pilot that's on a collision course with a star and similar thing, the Enterprise is trying to communicate with them, yeah. trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, just want to say these old people, they the, the voice actors have gone with the oldest old people possible. Oh, so oh bad. These, these voice actors are like 30 years old doing... <laughs> Terrible old people voices, and they like, and they speak like as slow as can be. Uh, it's hilarious. So uh, yeah, I think most people I know in their seventies are a bit brighter and sharper than this. So sorry for interrupting. Yeah. So they they see the ship going 
straight towards the supernova and they try to grab it with the tractor beam and that pulls them along with it and they get in contact with the ship and it's this woman and she's talking you know they're not sure what language she's speaking the universal translator can't translate it um i i guess maybe since i've watched so much twin peaks i originally recognized it as backwards talking (laughs) but hora has this line which is they're speaking the exact same language as us, just backwards. So I guess she's talking English. <laughs> I mean, whatever. That's the least of the problems that this episode gets to in terms of the technicalities. But so this woman basically is just like, fuck off. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a mission. They, yeah. And they get pulled into the supernova into a negative universe where time flows backwards and quote everything works in a counterclockwise fashion (laughs) so time slowing backwards you see the enterprise moves backwards there's this hilarious line because they can understand this woman now when they get in contact with her again and there's this hilarious line that kirk has which is our brains must be working backwards now which is how we can understand her and at that point i think my brain exploded and i'm like oh like what are you talking about and they're like, they're like, they check in on Scotty. How are you going, Scotty? He's like, oh, we're doing okay, but all of the controls are backwards. So we're trying to figure out how to, to operate everything backwards. But, okay, so the thing I don't get is why, so they can understand her, their brains are working backwards. Why is it when she's in our universe, it does they can't not understand work her because she talks backwards? Because d- nobody in the writer's room thought that, oh, wait, that's that's a problem (laughs) for some reason when she goes into our universe she's still acting as her as she would in her universe but when they go into her universe they're the rules apply to them oh man and and i love how um kirk like he sort of mansplains to uhura like uhura uhura explains exactly what's going on like they're talking uh when they're first listening to her in our universe uh, to a transmission in reverse. She said, oh, it's exactly the same language as us, but it's in reverse. And then Kirk, like, explains to her, like, okay, so then if you take the tape and then play that backwards, it will sound normal to us. Like, <laughs> so yeah. I guess, I, I guess it's whatever he says is funnier than that because it's just ridiculous. And I get that it's a Saturday morning cartoon, so you got to explain, double explain everything for kids, maybe. But Ahura could have done all that. Like, I don't see why Kirk had to be like, oh, okay, you can turn the tape around. <laughs> yeah, and she, the the captain of this other ship who's from this negative universe has this line about how in in her universe, a star going supernova is when the star is born. And that's sort of like <laughs> the crux around which this is built because the way she got pulled into uh, into the Star Trek universe was this star was going supernova at the exact same time a star in their the Star Trek universe was going supernova and that creates like a gateway. So how much these universes actually parallel each other is kind of up in the air. Because the idea is that's how the Enterprise is going to get back. Oh, we got to find a, a star that's going supernova here that plots with one in the exact same place going supernova there. Which I think is overestimating how fast the Enterprise can travel and underestimating how big the galaxy is. But whatever. So well, they're talking about the universe. They're talking about the whole universe. And they bring up a map of all the stars that are about to go supernova in this universe that they suddenly have all this data on, and then they overlay the map of you know all the 
the equivalent stars that are in the same place in the and none in of, the yeah. original universe. And none of them match up, so they're going to have to make a star go supernova? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> so, Again, I was watching this at work, so I was slightly distracted, but also I don't think it actually makes any sense. <laughs> well, wouldn't that mean that somebody in the other universe would have to do the same thing to the star there? Well, I guess is they'll find they'll find a star oh, okay. in the yeah, Star yeah, Trek okay. universe that is about to go supernova and make it. How they how they do that? I, oh, we're missing the big thing, which is. So this chick takes them down to this planet and introduces them to her son, who is older than that her, and her dad, <laughs> who is a kid. And I go, okay, okay, okay. First of all. What, how are like what's the physicality of people actually getting born in this universe? Yes. How and, does she and, give birth to a 90-year-old man? And also <laughs> wouldn't Oh, like, hang why on. Would you why would you call her your son if that was the generation that came before? <laughs> and um I got so angry. <laughs> Is he is so old too? His voice is ridiculous. He's like, "Oh, come meet my son, my little toddler, or whatever." He's like, "Oh, I am a scientist, and I know the answers." It was wild. Um, hang on. So that means she hasn't given birth to him yet. I th- I don't I don't know, Mick. I really don't know. If, it, if it's going backwards, so he's ninety, so he has to age in reverse and become a baby and then she can give birth to him but no because then like what would she be giving birth to because it would just link out of existence so she's giving birth to a nine-year-old man but she wouldn't but she wouldn't exist yet that's why i hate this because it doesn't work (laughs) yeah it does not make any sense so oh man they're going to make this star go supernova, and because I guess the ship can travel so much faster than them, they're going to do the thing before where they're going to be dragged along by the tractor beam. And and here's where I got confused, and I must have missed something that I didn't go back for, because, again, I was at work. I didn't understand why it was suddenly, like, the their, the Enterprise crew de-aging is, is so more rapid than it should be. Is that because they're headed so quickly to the star? Do they explain that? And I just missed it. If they did explain it, I missed it too. Because, okay, so time should just be, they should just be naturally going backwards like normal. But instead they're getting younger at a super speed. So you get Uhura and... Sulu, they're just too young to operate their controls because they're and also you know, they're the youngest. It, like as they de-age, they forget the things that they learned as adults. Again, question mark. <laughs> so Spock um, is the oldest as a Vulcan, um, so he recognizes pretty quickly that he's going to have to take over as captain as Kirk gets too young. Uh, and then, luckily, we've got these two retirees on board the ship because they've de-aged to middle age now and they're ready to resume their roles as captain and you know, engineer or whatever the lady was doing. But <laughs> the, the the new captain, when he takes over, he just assigns her the job of looking after the children. <laughs> so you've got baby Uhura that's, I don't know, about maybe two or something, just sitting up on the, on the console and... Um, Oh, oh, and by the way, by the way, in case you're wondering, their their uniforms shrank with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Cool. Um, so that all makes sense. And so we get some very young baby crew while the older ones take over and they manage to get back to our universe, their own universe, and they figure out a way to go through the transporter to fix their molecules and make everything go the right way and bring them back to their correct age. 
and we get a moment where the older retirees are considering whether they want to stay as younger young people and you know live their lives again uh, and they end up deciding to go back to normal and be retirees. Yeah, and- but but he won't have to, the the enterprise. I mean, not the enterprise, but the federation is hearing his appeal against his forced retirement. So now he will remain ambassador at large. I think they say. And literally, the moral of this episode, because it's spelled out like the, one of those like the more you know segments is. Even old people have things to contribute to society. <laughs> but only if they go to a reverse universe and de-age, man. This episode gave me a headache. <laughs> I think I was thinking about it too much. I know. Well, that's the whole point of a recap podcast is is thinking about things too much. <laughs> Overthinking a Saturday morning cartoon. But I, I enjoyed it. I, um, I enjoyed sitting on the couch watching that episode on actual Saturday morning and wished I had a super sugary cereal like Fruit Loops or Frosties or something. I was thinking about the fact that it made me want to go back and rewatch an episode of The Next Generation I really like entitled Rascals in which Picard um Rogarin Guinan and Keiko who is Miles O'Brien's wife get turned into children okay but they're not like constantly de-aging, so they're not getting younger and younger all the time. They're just kids. Oh wow. And then it coincides with this like these people who are trying to take over the enterprise. So then these kids have to try to save the enterprise. But unlike this episode, you see you see Picard and he's maybe like thirteen or fourteen, but he still retains all his memories. So he's still Picard, only He's 14 years old. And I think it's maybe kind of great, or maybe I just have fond memories of it because I would have been like eight years old when I was watching it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like that. But there is a really awkward moment because Keiko O'Brien is now like 10 and she's there with her husband and her child. And it's like, this is slightly creepy. (laughs) So does Miles Miles de-age as well? No, they're the only like they're the only four that DH because they're on like some uh, shuttlecraft that something happens to. Yeah, that's weird. So Miles is like forty something, and here's this ten year old chick being like, uh. "Miles, I'm your wife," and I'm just like, "This is weird." <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those episodes I haven't watched in like fifteen years, so maybe it's terrible, but I remember it fondly. Yeah, there you go. I've definitely watched all of the. That's the one. Star Trek um, series that I've watched every episode. So I've definitely seen it, but so many episodes so long ago. That was on syndication here, like throughout middle school and high school for me. Yeah. So there'd just be like two episodes on around when I got home from school, five days a week. So I would just watch it five days a week. So that next generation, I've probably seen the most. Man, we used to have it. It was on like late night. After everything, I think it's even on after Letterman, uh, and it was all sorts of weird hours. Like if there was sport or something on, then it could be like two a.m. or something. So, and then recently, Channel Ten sort of reran Star Trek on one of their digital channels. So that was when I'd set my PVR and watched every episode. So I guess yeah, if, if you've got a couple of half hours spare this week, jump on and. Check out the Eye of the Beholder and um, the Counterclock Incident. And uh, let us know if you've got any other favourite animated series episodes. We might um, dive back in from time to time. Uh, They're good fun. Anything else you want to chuck in about these? No, I don't think so. They're very... I like the fact... Again, I like the fact that they'll just be like, oh, there's a weird-looking alien dude at the comms. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's it's good with... um, not being restricted to humanoids and costumes. So next week we're going to kick on with the um, second series and we've got a cracker of an episode coming up. We've got Amok Time where 
Spock. Oh, some high quality Spock content. Oh man, Spock is on. He's he's in heat. <laughs> he's going through the pond fire, which um, makes him go crazy and angry and start throwing stuff everywhere. And he must go back to his planet to mate. It's pretty full on. I'm kind of uh, surprised you could do that in the '60s. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're very explicit about it. Like, it's very straightforward of he needs to mate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. And we get our... Oh, man, we get our classic battle music for the first time. I didn't realize that took took to season two to get it. The hand-to-hand combat music. Oh, that's good. Yeah, which featured in The Simpsons and so many other things in pop culture. So that's cool. Um, so we've got a good buddy, um, Brisbane comedian Matt Gaffney. Who's, uh, we finally get a Brisbane comic that actually knows and loves Star Trek. So that's exciting. He's going to relive that episode with us. So that's going to be cool. Emily, in the meantime, how can we follow you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. I also do a Star Wars podcast you can check out, and that is called the Canto Bite Dispatch. Uh, you can follow us. We're at He's Dead Jim Pod on all of your favorite socials. I just set up a Facebook group uh, called He's Deaders. Um, so check us out. Go to at He's Dead Jim Pod, and you can see the group there. So that should be a fun place to debrief if there's anything traumatic you've seen, any wild space phenomena, any. Um, Benjamin Button experiences you've had <laughs> just chime in and we can debrief so that should be a good fun place to have a chat and uh, if you're into that I think honestly I think groups are the best thing about Facebook oh they're pretty much the only thing I do on Facebook anymore yeah and that's cool uh, so yeah check that out um, shoot us an email if you want he's dead Jim pod at gmail.com we love hearing from you and uh, love hearing your thoughts on the episodes Uh, And I know plenty of people listen to this and freak out when I get stuff wrong. So feel free to chime in and correct me. Uh, And I think that's about it till next week. Look forward to season two. Uh, What's our sign off going to be for the new series? Are we sticking with uh, Star Trek? We got to get something new. Yeah. We got to get something new. Oh, well, if uh, listeners, have you got a sign off that you think would be cool for us? Until next time. Focus on Captain Kirk and make a thought screen with your minds. Bye.